this episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. Donna and Taryn return for another adventure as we continue our month of Annie Sedaris with Picasso Trigger. Welcome to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, a movie podcast that features hosts Brandon and Cullen discussing a film considered but not limited to being a cult classic. The episode you are listening to will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. Follow CC Cavalcade on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen to the show on cultcinemacavalcade.com, iTunes, and anywhere podcasts are found. My most prized possession, painted with a Picasso trigger creature that rips out the underbellies of his adversary. Hey, jealous. I don't have a jealous bone in my body. Is that a fact? Check it out. Don't mind if I do. This is Cult Cinema Cavalcade. This is episode 62. This is Brandon, and as always with me is your co-hoster, the podcasto microphoner, Cullen! Just to keep things congruent with the movie, we're going to be recording in four different locations for this episode. Today we are here to discuss the 1988 film, Picasso Trigger. Cullen, how lethal is this adventure? With his brother eliminated by the operatives of the lethal team, a world-class crime lord will trigger a ruthless hunt against all agents. Picasso Trigger is written and directed by Andy Sedaris and stars Donna Spear, Hope Marie Carlton, Steve Bond, John Aprea, Roberta Vasquez, and Rodrigo Obregon. Welcome back to Cult Cinema Cavalcade for our second week of the Thankful for Andy Sedaris month. Uh, we now are going from the past to go forward with Picasso Trigger, the film that follows hard ticket to Hawaii, which means Cullen, Donna, and Taryn are back. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, You know, I've watched some of the the later ones, and Donna is around, but Taryn is not. I wondered what the hell happened or what was going on, but we came to this one like, oh my god, they're still here. I think Taryn will be back next week too, I believe. I don't know how many more after that. This movie, had you seen it before this, Cullen? I have not seen this one before. Yep, I'm a fresh newbie on Picasso Trigger. It's not one in the set that I had gotten to yet. But... I thought I, I thought I had seen it. Um, I, maybe there's one that's with a similar name, or maybe I just forgot it completely other than the title but i i do not remember watching this one i gotta say i i got pumped the trailer for this one has an awesome tagline with killing is an art form and travis abilene must take down the picasso trigger which makes no fucking sense but the guy sells it so awesomely i'm like (laughs) yeah whatever that means killing is an art form find a different way to express yourself artistically (laughs) and the poster for this one's really cool too some of these have awesome posters for as like cheesy or raunchy these movies are. There's some cool art on some of these posters. Oh yeah, that was back before every poster would try to look like other movie posters. I mean, th- there are certainly times where exploitation movies would would do that, but now every poster is like, all right, show the heads of everyone in the movie, and the, there's some orange and there's some some blue in it that'll make the skin tones look nice and. 
And then put some other pretty colors in there too. Sometimes put some ambers if it's an action movie. You know, get some floaty. Yeah, can, um, can, can we have some sparks on the poster since yeah. it's an action movie? Great. Pre, pre Photoshop, hand drawn. I mean, these would end up going to shit. These posters would just be like pictures of girls with a gun. Yeah. Like, like literal pictures and like some cheap little graphic that says the title. Like Andy Sedaris's basement. Yeah. First one of these had like full time. You know, like artist. Like some really good stuff. I'm like, I would. I would no shame hang up some of these posters in my place because mm-hmm. they just look cool. I mean, granted, you know, it's like hot babes and a muscle dude or something like that, but it's just really, it's my kind of artwork. I like the style. So then this one had a really cool poster. Oh, yeah, the hard ticket one's badass. Yeah, lo- the hard ticket. You know? Malibu Express, another badass poster. This is like, of these first three, this is probably the the least good of those, but they're all still good. really, really good posters. Yeah, so this movie, I mean, came. I mean, these movies were being made uh, at a Friday the Thirteenth kind of rate. Can, can we uh, get any kind of confirmation that all of these movies were made so Andy Sedaris could write off his vacations? Because that's <laughs> that's what every one of these feels like, like. He was doing the Adam Sandler thing before Adam Sandler did it. That that's absolutely what it feels like. Or maybe he he had a summer home in Louisiana. Although I don't know why you would need a summer home and when you live in Hawaii, but still. I don't know. Before we get wet and wild on the sands of Hawaii, let's hear a word from another wet and wild character, Tom Labrie. As you probably know, I asked for letters about interesting occupations. So I'd like to take this opportunity to read this letter. Dear Tom, here I sit again on one of those sleepless nights watching Night Comfort. I plan on investing in a waterbed soon. I wish I lived closer to your warehouse so I could buy one of your waterbeds. You ask for weird occupations. I paint tractors. Ah, tractor. <laughs> he does what? <laughs> paint tractors. <laughs> I start college next week and won't be able to watch your show as often. But keep up the good work and I will watch as often as I can. Sincerely, Kip Gooding, Idaho. <laughs> Thanks a lot for the weird occupation, Kip. And we like to hear from everybody. And now, let's get back to the movie. So the Picasso Trigger opens up. We've got some money, Cullen. We have title and credit graphics. Not drawn on and filmed or a computer screen filmed. We have actual live action with superimposed credits on there for Picasso Trigger. Uh, apparently they couldn't figure out how to put music underneath it though it's it, it is super bizarre it's just picasso trigger and then there's a bunch of like lasers that are over it and then it just goes away like okay is something oh 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 i guess the movie's starting now yes it's pretty abrupt but we start in france and uh, a guy pulls up on a mansion and delivers a package to a man named salazar who's played by John Aprea, who, you might remember, was Uncle Jesse's dad on Full House. I want, the whole the movie grandpa! I sat there. Grandpa! Yep. The whole movie I sat watching, why do I know you? It's maddening. They were on Full House. They were like, get us that guy from Sedaris movies. That's... <laughs> get me the man from the titty movies. <laughs> So he, he's getting dressed in like a tux. The delivery is a video from a man named Miguel Ortiz. And we see when Salazar's dressing, he has an L burned into his chest. Or like, not burned, but like surgically stitched. 
Yeah. So I'm like, oh, lethal. Is that what it it refers to? I thought so. That's what I thought. But it it, it looks like just a really sloppy surgery. Like, all right, well, we got to do open heart surgery. So let's just cut an L into his chest and just kind of fold his his pectoral back. And then we'll just root around inside him. <laughs> and, and and then we'll seal it back up with silly putty. So the guy in the video says his brother was murdered by some federal agent. He's referring to Seth from the last movie. Who... You remember uh, Seth, right, folks? The guy that got shot in the face. He got bit by a radioactive snake. I'm sure he got crotch trauma at some point, but it was just... He shot at a snake. He was scared and he shot at a snake that was like a mile away. He's like Nordberg from the Naked Gun movies, except this guy... Well, I guess they both get away with murder. I mean, really. So they're <laughs> the same. So he wants Salazar to help him out with his uh, revenge. He's got people ready to strike in Las Vegas and, of course, Hawaii. Well, Salazar tucks it up and takes off. And as soon as his car takes off, a motorcycle with a sidecar, which includes who I think is his butler... I it? couldn't tell if he was a butler or a priest. He was or... that, like, he, he didn't dress like a butler. He he had actions like a butler, but well, he he's dressed like head to toe in black, and then he's got like I don't know what you'd call it other than a biker cross, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like like it looks like something that Triple H would have on the back of his jacket. He has a necklace of that. At this point in the movie, they're doing this follow thing. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be like Sedaris doing James Bond. Like, I, I thought, you know, because I recognized an actor. So I'm like, oh, this is probably like the lead guy. Some mission. Mm-hmm. He's wearing a tux. He's going out in a car. And then there's the, the bad guys following him, you know. And I was like, oh, this is going to be like a like a, like Sedaris does James Bond type thing. That's going to be cool. No, I was wrong. It's not. <laughs> the closest we get to that is Steve Bond. <laughs> yes, the actor Steve Bond. The actor Steve Bond, <laughs> who, by the way, won the award for most Jewish-sounding name. His his original name. He, he's from he's from Israel. I guess to be fair, I don't know if he is Jewish, but I, but but his name certainly sounds like it. Shlomo Goldberg. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, I. Wow. Who, who, no one's gonna top that realistically. So Salazar gets out at the building, this building he's applauded as he enters at this art show, and he goes right to the front and announces a picture called the Picasso Trigger, which is a, a fish. It's just a big painting of a fish. Probably had like five paintings. We're like, wow, we'll, we'll, we'll do that one. That one probably people remember. It's a fish. I, I, I bet that Andy Sedaris bought this like at a gift shop. Somewhere in Hawaii, like this right, is no, it. It's 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 cheap shit. It's like those copied art, late eighties, yeah. early nineties hotel art that looks like it's trying to be edgy. It is literally just a painting of a fish, and it's not a painting where it's like, oh, it's uh, abstract, or they they you look at the brushstrokes, or there's there's something unique about it. It is literally just a picture of a damn fish. He talks about the picture on and how recently. He had a brush with death. My recent brush with death necessitated a long recuperative period where I spent many hours staring at this masterpiece. I came to the conclusion that it represented a a philosophy that I wanted to express. Man must learn 
from God's creatures to protect all that is beautiful. With every force, every resource, every breath that he takes. And he donates the picture to Paris and the people of the world. Well, which is it? Paris is like, wait, you just said this was ours. Now we have to share. <laughs> yeah, we got to take this to Argentina. You've had your turn, Paris. He meets up with a woman that was in the back watching, and she mentions that Picasso Trigger is his code name. Salazar says he's, he's nearing a new beginning, and uh, she leaves. And in the motorcycle, we see the butler pull, like, a rifle. He goes out to smoke and is shot in the chest by the butler guy. We then move to Dallas, Texas, as a guy in a robe calls... We cut to Dallas so we can see him call someone in Hawaii. Not, oh, He's not in Hawaii. He's in Texas as well. He's, he's in also a, in Texas? Yeah, he's also in ta- Texas. Travis oh Travis Abilene, part of the Malibu Express, or he might have been in Louisiana or something like that. He's on the Malibu Express boat, correct? Yes, he's another Abilene. This is our third Abilene. So that boat has gone from Hawaii to Texas. That boat's been around. Uh, That's super weird. Yeah, he informs the guy that the Picasso trigger is dead. And in Vegas, we see a little dance show as some fat dude with his ponytailed Mr. Perfect-looking guy is uh, unhappy with this mobster named Mr. Shabo hitting on some women. And uh, they talk about how that guy is trafficking women. And we learn these two are mad about the agency taking their work or something or other. Like, but they they work for the agency, so like they're not getting the work they want. Uh-huh. Everything you said is accurate. It's anytime they reveal some bit of plot, you just kind of go, I guess that makes sense. This is either a plot or just overdone detail about a character. Yeah, be one or the other. That's that's the whole movie. That's, yeah. what, that's what it could be called. It's a bit of a long name for a movie, but I think it could work. <laughs> uh, one of Mr. Chavo's guys says uh, something about a homing device and leaves, and he has a server give the two dudes, the Mr. Perfect and the fat guy, flowers that are homing devices, and as they follow this guy through the casino, uh, he gets to a helicopter and takes off, and the two are waiting on a car and talking about how the agency wanted them to look like two polyester hicks. And they, they drive through the desert, and they hear on the news a story about the Picasso Trigger dying. On the news, they hear the story about the Picasso Trigger dying and how he recently had a pacemaker surgery. You know the best way to give information to the audience is through a car radio in the movie. That's just the be- That's the most engaging way to introduce information to people. Yeah, because... Yeah, they also say his remains are going to Spain for cremating. What news is reporting on some undercover secret agent <laughs> being murdered? Yeah. A- and the details of a surgery he had that's irrelevant. Like, was it oh, a yeah. big, was it like 2020 to a special on, you know, the Picasso trigger is going to have a pacemaker installed. Let's talk to him before the surgery, after the surgery, see what it's like to be a secret agent with a pacemaker. Like, yeah. he's a real, he's got to be a real shitty spy yeah. for him to- to be reported on in the news. It's the Andy Sedaris thing. Everything that happens in his movies happens for a reason. There's no, every little bit means something. Which is frustrating because there are times where you're not really paying that close attention because in any other movie, it would be nothing. It would just be 
garbage. Right. But for, what, but for whatever reason, he, he uses the whole buffalo in his script. Every part of it is used, and it yeah. goes somewhere. The, the helicopter pulls up on these dudes in the car, and they exchange fire, but then the car is hit and blown up. And the guy says, the ones with the flower have been scattered this hour. The first explosion in the movie. I, I feel like all of the Sedaris themes seem to happen a bit later in this movie, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's doing some... I mean, the opening is different. Uh, like, you're in France. I'll say this. This movie is attempting to try to give you what you remembered you liked about Hard Ticket, but also trying to do something else, too. In the third act, it starts becoming hard ticket to hawaii again but building up to that he's trying to make a different movie what he's trying to do is to show uh how everyone is traveling to and from the set right because there is just so much damn traveling in this movie there's There's, a lot of like yeah there's a lot of there there are people people constantly in cars there are people constantly going to and from the airport there are always shots of people in an airplane there are several phone conversations where you're they're telling other people that hey this person's in this location like uh, okay did and, they need to know that and that's we on, already knew that that's on top of vehicular action sequences as well yes so i i think anytime someone new arrived to the set from out of town they went to the airport like okay we're going to get coverage yeah. the airport. True. Make sure to wear your costume when you show up. Uh, we go to Hawaii. Back to Edie's. Remember Edie's in Hawaii. She's I, back. I, I was very excited that we were back at Edie's. We're back at Edie's. Mr. Ortiz is there, but he doesn't speak to Edie. Some guy does for him, and he uh, has these lays given to a couple at a table on their way out. Edie sits with that couple at the table, and they are two agency agents. Look at my brilliant writing. Who are apparently done with their mission you mean that that sentence that really gives us no information you've been very helpful to us edie mm-hmm. now that we've done the legwork we can let the agency decide how to proceed okay yeah what legwork did you do why are you here it's kind of like hey when those computers get in next week i want you to take a look at them that's absolutely true <laughs> and edie's response there's definitely something in the air like what edie <laughs> give me any description of anything that's happening. Please. <laughs> There's definitely something in the air. You'll see in two minutes if you're watching the movie, audience. Now, what needed to happen was she needed to say there's definitely something in the air, and then... That's what was missing from this film. These two random guys get a text about the one with the flower and, and are like, Glenn and Peter have scored! And then they get a move on and couple leaves Edie's, and the, these two goons come up behind them and start shooting them with a silenced gun before they can draw. Uh, they go come up with some great line with, give them a lay, blow them away. And the guy goes, hell of a poet, Clayton. Yeah, we're like, uh, okay. Okay, movie. Good. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Ortiz gets the message, and they say they're headed to Maui to get the squealing bitch who testified against his brother. Which would be on a boat. It's Donna and Taryn. And the plot point for the movie. Remember, Taryn is the squealing bitch, right? Yes. Boom. Yeah, no. that, that, that was the thing that was brought up in Hard Ticket to Hawaii that didn't seem to pay off at all. It turns out it pays off in the sequel. 
Is Mr. Ortiz the one she squealed on, or is that still coming? I don't know. Well, I think... Or he she's... knows the person that she squealed on. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know if it's terribly important to the explosions, so I don't know if I need to care. So they're on a boat. And, and by the way, Donna and Taryn don't show up in this movie until like 17 minutes yeah, in. Yeah, is... I was worried. I was like, well, where's Donna and Taryn? Like, they should have been, like, three minutes into the yeah. movie. It they, was really they, surprising. Don't worry. As, as soon as they show up... No, wait. They don't get naked yet, right? Well, no, no, no. Taryn wakes up, the alarm clock, and she gets dressed, and Donna takes a shower. Okay, because okay. Because before you go snorkeling, best to take a shower before you jump in the water. But I'm well, not yeah. complaining, because Donna showers are good. <laughs> and then Taryn just... Just gets dressed. Just gets she dressed. Just, put, just puts on her her jumpsuit. So or uh yeah. So yeah, we do get nudity. But 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 again, it, it seventeen minutes into the movie is our, our first yeah, piece of it. nudity. This is it. Yeah. Or, this like is... Sedaris is pacing himself. It's probably because there are fewer women in this movie that are willing to get naked, unlike yes, all the other movies. Right. Yeah, we will. We will definitely cover that. We'll cover the uncovering. Yes. <laughs> Oh. Uh, the two goons show up and is like, Clayton, you've got style. And uh, one of them has a remote control. They want us to know that guy's name's Clayton. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, it was like, are you his, his number one fan? Where, yeah. Is this like, like my you, greatest year where you get to meet your hero and hang out with him? Can you pass the salt, Clayton? Man, I'm going to get up and take a walk, Clayton. You the man, well, th- Clayton. This movie does not believe in pronouns. Anytime someone's yeah. referring to someone else, they use their full name. The girls take a break on the shore, and a remote control plane takes flight. And he and this guy goes, it's a shame we gotta waste a couple of good-looking broads. And Mr. Ortiz gives him the order to do it. It will be sweet revenge for me. And they fly it into the boat, and that boat blows the fuck up. Yeah, that was that was sweet. And Taryn has a genius analysis where she says, "Look at our boat, Donna. It could have been us." <laughs> uh, <laughs> like Donna to look over, like, and just say, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> so there's a child abductor van and is following this guy on horseback who's the guy that was in the robe that called travis earlier his name's lg he looks like joe don reagan right that's yeah. what he looks like it's on point he tells his mexican servant to pull his jeep around which the guy gets in he does and it blows up we are three major explosions deep into this thing yeah we're i don't know 20 minutes into the movie he's like i can't deliver on the boobies right now but i will give you those explosions one way or another, I'm getting a visceral reaction out of people. LG loading his magnum calls Travis, and he needs him now, and he needs to meet with Special Agent Pantera. Uh, he needs to take the professor's private jet, uh, whatever or whoever that is. <laughs> uh, yep, <laughs> it could be said so many times in this movie. Whoever that is. From from uh, from this conversation with him, I have no idea where he's supposed to be going or what he's doing, whoever the professor is. Oh, no. Like, we do meet this professor, and he's got a tall, blonde woman 
that wants to jump his bones, who's foreign and... And I want to say to the woman, you are clearly barking up the wrong tree. Yeah. Like, this th- this guy makes Vincent Price look macho. There's no way. I'm lost because I thought Travis Abilene was somewhere else in this movie. I didn't figure out that LG was in Texas till mm-hmm. later and then realized that Travis was also somewhere else in Texas. And if you think about Malibu Express, that's where Cody Abilene was at the beginning of that movie, was in Texas. Okay. So I'm deducing that Travis starts in Texas or somewhere around that Gulf Coast there to get to Texas quickly. So he's in the area. And then other people, there's the Vegas people, and then there's Hawaii people. And then we have that scene in France at the beginning. Oh, God. But it, so... it wasn't right away. It took getting through this movie that I'm like, oh, yeah, I bet. That's where he was to start this. It was when we have it when like Pantera gets to the airport and they go, Welcome to the Dallas Fort Worth. I'm like, Oh, LG's in Texas. Makes sense. Oh. <laughs> but that's when I figured out that LG was in Texas and figured out that Travis was doing stuff in Texas. It's a it's I a, think the, the geography on this and letting you know where people are, it yeah. It's it is all over the Considering place. Considering every place they are is actually Hawaii and not the places they're saying. Yeah, that's I don't know. Thing. I don't know why they put so much. Effort. They also filmed in Shreveport, Louisiana, but still, there's there's just so many locations. Just stick to a couple. You don't need to go all over the place. Why does the Picasso trigger stuff have to take place in Paris? I I don't get it. I guess oh. it's it's fancier than Shreveport, but still. And by the way, this professor character, actor and character, were in Sedaris' movie that was before Malibu Express called Seven, which, is aside from character? that, has no connection other than this character. Well, he was also in Hard Ticket to Hawaii, but was it a different character? No, it was a different character. That that guy was like the guy who ran the cargo sh- place or whatever. Here he's playing the professor and the professor is connected to Seven. So there are So it oh, but God. but Seven is never thrown in with it might just be a nod to that, mm-hmm. but yeah, Seven's never thrown in with these movies. There's no Abilene in that movie either. Let's get back to Donna and Taryn. They're uh, walking the back roads, and they hitch a ride on some dude's truck. And he's like, where are you headed? And they go, to the sugarcane train, which is actually the sugarcane train. They stop at a they stop at a place that says the sugarcane train. So I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, where where's that going? What's the significance of it? It's a new place to shoot. And more traveling, right? And thank goodness, because we haven't been to an airport for minutes so let's go to a train station now cool thank you they're wondering about who's wanting them dead taryn is worried about her cover being blown but donna doesn't think so the federal government wouldn't let that happen to you well guess what too late and don't worry taryn is still hungry for dong oh yeah because they stop (laughs) at the train stop and that's another stupid phrase out of me tonight they get (sighs) off and are being oogled at by two dudes and donna and donna likes it and Taryn's loving it. That blonde's looking over here. I think he likes me. He's not bad looking. I might just make my move. Is that a snorkel in his pocket or is he just happy to see me? <laughs> and then, after that scene, Jade fucking shows up. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, 
what is he working at SeaWorld here or something? And yeah, he's working at SeaWorld. He really is. <laughs> yeah, and the scene is literally yeah. just him walking around the park. Zero dialogue. Yeah. He walks around, he like walks like into like the underground part of one of the the shows where you can like see through the glass or whatever. He like, yeah. like he's got like a clipboard or something. He's like, "Yep, okay." And walks out the door and that's it. It feels like they took a like a stinger from the end of another movie and just put it in the middle of this movie. Right. Like, oh my god, he's alive and he's working at an aquarium. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. They're at the airport hangar. Donna and Taryn joke about their vacation being over and how the boat rental people are going to be pissed. <laughs> you almost died. They don their classic outfits that we remember them from Hard Ticket. They took off in their plane at the Dallas-Fort Worth airport, as we hear called over. The girl at the art gallery that talked to Salazar at the beginning gets off a plane and into a limo and is followed by the child abduction blue van guys. Donna then contacts Jade at SeaWorld. They inform him of the failed hit on them. They ask about Travis, but he was sent to Dallas. That's where he went. That's what I have in my notes. (laughs) Big print. That's where he went. We then cue to him speeding around in a Ferrari and pulling up to a hotel in his finest denim jacket and boots. But he, okay, he enters the hotel and then we get from inside, which is totally a fucking house, right? Oh, yeah. He's not inside the hotel. Because that door that he opens is clearly an exterior door, and it's just it's just a really nice house. I was like, the woman from the airport is actually Pantera, and she answers the door Sybil Danning style. And apparently, <laughs> they have a history from when he was like captain of a football team, and she's like all over him, but he's hesitant. And then she says she's immune to emotion from being an agent. And then she leaves and comes back dressed in her nice super 80s jacket with her torn up jeans as he's playing with her cat. Like her literal cat, the animal, not... Yeah, that, yeah. it's not a euphemism for anything else. No, no. That, oh, God. Can we just take a moment and talk about that gross, gross outfit that Travis is wearing? Yeah, it's gross. It's, it's not just that it's denim head to toe. There's, like, leather on the shoulders. I mean, it would... It's an outfit that that would make Chuck Norris blush. It is so heinous. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, he he's putting the Abilene name to shame here. <laughs> yeah, like the like the first two Abilines, we're like, all right, this guy, like, I I believe this guy is capable of, of getting attention from women. This guy, although very, he's not an unattractive man. He's just not really charismatic. He just kind of exists, and the way he dresses is gross. He's kind of like the the Hemsworth that's not Liam or Chris. (laughs) The one from Westworld, that one. Yeah, he's made up from spare Abilene parts. They go to some honky-tonk bar where they do some really nice tone-deaf, off-key dancing and such. I mean, this is bad. This is like, but we don't know how to dance, Andy. Well, just move. Do something. (laughs) Could you at least play music? He's like, no, I throw it in and post. And, like, the background people are horrible dancers. Like, everyone in this place are awful. I was laughing hard. I was, yeah. I was like, holy crap, this is this is still going. This is still going on. They are showing off this dancing. Uh, also, apparently, to be in this scene, you had to have a mullet. Yes! Like, there was one person in this scene, one man in this scene, that did not have a mullet. He must have gotten a waiver. Or he just thought it was an actual bar and was hanging out. But every other person in this scene, gross, 
disgusting, oily, long, lice-infested mullet. They sit for a drink, and he says, nobody should have a body like that. I share a memory of fucking at LG's place while he was out of town. <laughs> so goes, touching. Do you remember the weekend uh, LG left town? We stuck in his place? Sure. We slept in the living room on the floor in front of the fireplace. You know I had rug burns on my rear for a week. <laughs> it was worth it. The, uh, the child molester van guys enter the bar. Then they, they decide to talk about uh, the, the Pantera and Travis talk about their breakup. And I know she's just like super sweaty or just like wet, like glistening. And It's a good chance that they're just sweating out the cocaine that they had in the previous take. Travis does look a little... A little strung out and a little, and like you said, they're just both covered in sweat. It's, ugh. it doesn't help that Pantera is dressed as a trailer park Wonder Woman. She's got the torn up jeans with her butt hanging out and she has a bracelet and she's wearing this, I want to call it a halter top, but it, it looks like she's wearing like lingerie as a top tucked into her jeans. Travis then says some smooth shit and they go, they make out and we fade to them back at her place and they're rubbing up one another in a doorway and he likes to give her a wedgie via the rips in their ass of her jeans during this. He got deep in that butt. Oh yeah. Uh, That should be on the the poster. He got deep deep. in that butt. Killing is an art form and and Travis Abilene must get deep in that butt. You're telling me you wouldn't be interested? You saw that poster? I'm sold. Uh, (laughs) They do their best not to show any nudity. She's like, I don't want to show my boobs, but this strange man I'm in this movie with can totally, like, hold on to my and hawk my hooters so I don't see, (laughs) so they're not seen. In really awkward hand positions, like, come on. You guys are trying really hard. Like, you're in an Andy Sedaris movie one. People are going to just see the poster or hear that you were in it and just assume you were naked. So you might as well just get naked. Oh, yeah. If if you're on the poster of an Andy Sedaris film, I I think the audience just assumes, like, oh, I'm going to see this person naked. And then they start to go to the bedroom to really get it on. And then we cut to them stopping at the convenience store restaurant thingy. The, like, like the next day, the ex the exterior and the interior don't feel like they go together for me of this place, but maybe. And they see a paper about agents being murdered by Ortiz because, like, the news the the local newspaper there was like, yeah, they were murdered, and this guy did it, and we're doing nothing about it. You know. Like, well, you, you know, the newspaper they're investigating. It's it's really up to the police to true. do something. True. They meet with an incognito LG and show him the paper, and Pantera says that Salazar was lethal, but he wasn't without honor, and mentions that LG was the only failure Ortiz ever had because he never got to murder him. And then the, the guys from the van come in, take a seat at the table, and Pantera says they've been made. Travis says he and LG will take care of it, and he points... He grabs a gun from the car, tells Pantera to stay outside behind, and then he and LG take a boat, and the the van guys take a boat from some people and give chase, and Pantera, this time, she takes a pontoon boat, because those are fast, and and the chase is on, and we get, like, gunfire traded back and forth, and uh, LG makes a joke about Travis being a bad shot, because he, I guess, truly is an Abilene. He can't hit shit, which is funny, because Ron Moss is Abilene, 
He didn't miss, but he also had to use a rocket launcher to hit shit. Remember? It's the, it's the only way he can hit a moving target. That's right. And so that's, a, that's an Abilene thing. They just can't hit anything. Yeah. Did you also notice that the, the music in this scene felt like it was on a boss level from a Nintendo? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that, yeah, you're totally on it there. Pantera during all this time is slowly but surely setting up for something. She parks and she grabs this like rifle thing and then takes out she takes out the shooter on the chasing boat and then Travis swaps driving with LG who immediately nails the dude in the chest like firing at him. Yeah. Were were, were you as disappointed as I was that when they shot at the boat the boat didn't explode? Yeah, I wanted a boat explosion, but you know, I I guess I'm we haven't seen a boat chase. That was different. Yeah, but it was just so... Uh, I just didn't care. Because all the shots were missing. Both the bad guy and Travis. Like, nothing was hitting. Like, it was just, like, post-production gunfire being added in. Like Yeah, it was the least exciting boat chase I think I may have ever seen. (laughs) Like, Andy Sedaris just... I, I guess he just doesn't know how to film a boat chase or he's working on it. this was a test run for maybe a later one so when when pantera returns the pontoon some old hag gives her shit but she pays for the, for her for renting it and he's like oh well thank you ma'am that's so funny she just came up you took my boat okay <laughs> and what are you gonna do about it pantera throws money at this woman like did we need this scene at all it's a, I don't... it's a light-hearted moment after that intense chase i guess <laughs> uh, she regroups with the guys and says you shot him 20 times and missed lg says he's gonna go to washington but we never see him go to washington we never see washington so which is surprising it. because someone's traveling right so you think that we would see him on a plane and yeah. land, talk to someone that we'll never see again, yeah. the and then get back ne- on a plane. The movie, the movie never wants to follow LG anywhere. That's what I learned. We only... God, this, this scene may be one of the few scenes where he's not on a phone. Yeah. I can think of this and when his helper or whatever is blown up in the Jeep. Every other time, I think he's on the phone, honestly. Yeah. Speaking of phones, Travis calls Jade and tells him to get Donna, Edie, and Taryn and meet him in Vegas. And <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. And then we get a big title card with white print that says Thursday. <laughs> I think another complaint that Andy Sedaris must have got from his other movies was we don't understand the passage of time. And this one's like, all right, you want to know what day it is? I'll just tell you what day it is, motherfuckers. It, we're in Vegas in a boardroom. Everyone in Lethal is there. There are nine people in this room. And uh, how, how many do you think are actually important, Brandon, to this uh, movie? <laughs> uh, not the people that are in Vegas that are the reason they went to Vegas. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean... And we'll be honest, Edie, Edie and Jade, really? I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's welcome, you know. Oh, I remember them from Hard Ticket, but Edie's whole point is that she owns a restaurant and she's kind of the contact, like in Hawaii. Why is she running secret missions in Texas then? 
Travis gives him a rundown of Salazar's murder, complete with pictures that apparently people were out like, oh, look, Salazar's smoking. I'm going to take a picture of him. <laughs> oh, look, he's got a midair bullet being shot. Uh, like the pictures weren't like aftermath. They were like in the process of the bullet impaling him. Yeah. I was like, wait, who, who sent you those pictures, Travis? <laughs> it was probably supplied by Pantera now that I think of it. Ah, who um, knows? Pantera tells him she thinks Ortiz double-crossed Salazar, the Picasso trigger. They know of an assassination going on on Monday, so they have to plan for uh, doing something on Sunday. And, and it's now Thursday. And he introduces uh, Toshi Lung, who has some sort of connection to this shit, and he's Jade's fucking task. <laughs> then there's a guy, Patterson, who owns a white slavery across the globe and makes snuff films. And the, yeah. cl- the club dancer girls and the black guy. That's where he is right now. He's just the black guy. We've seen him earlier in the film, but he's a black muscular guy. Uh, he, uh, he, he'll he he'll later the, be called Juan. I think he was one of the goons from Malibu Express, I oh, think. Okay. Maybe. He's, he's not important. Well, he's assigned uh, with the girls, the dancer girls that we saw in the uh, original scene of the movie. What were their, uh, the, oh, were their names? It was like... Kim and Pan, no, Kim and Patty Cakes. I that, got the, blonde and brunette. There, that was what they were to me. In Vegas, the marquee said, "Well, marquee, a sign oh, the, in the yeah. dirty, gross club said Kim and Patty Cakes." Okay. Then there's uh, Miguel Ortiz and his bodyguards, and uh, the other two doofuses in Hawaii. And Travis gives the assignment to Donna and Taryn, which. Pantera disagrees about this, and Donna gets pissed because she's like, he did this because you know, I'm the best for the job. That's why he picked me. And Travis says that he and Pantera are going to stake out Salazar's old estate in Hawaii because something should shake out there. Like, So, like, all you guys have yeah. to do work, and we're going to just go watch the dead guy's house? Uh, Yeah, uh, that's it. Yeah. We, that's... We, got all, we got all nine of you in here, and you go there, you go there, and maybe something will happen. That's apparently how the agency works. Everyone just kind of spread out, and then hopefully things will fall into place. They, they are they are a holistic agency, apparently. All these guys must be arrested at once. They're not killing anybody. The plan is just to arrest these guys, which I didn't know Lethal could arrest people. <laughs> yeah! I don't know that I've seen... Like two movies, I don't think they're capable of arresting people. They never say, you know, freeze or don't move or put up your hands or anything like that. It's always bang, 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 bang. And in their defense, you know, no one ever like complies with them. So I would love if like someone would just say like, how about a badge? Who are you? Why are you shooting at me? Travis tells him. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's imperative that we arrest them all at once together. We can break them. One more thing. Expect the worst. And in his room, Donna comes in and they get in an argument about Pantera because Donna feels something's wrong about her because she slept with a, a lethal criminal. And Travis says he's she's just jealous. But then he turns around and she is butt naked and says, <laughs> check it out. And he goes, don't mind if I do. And they bone. And it's so ridiculous. They were literally arguing seconds before this happened. He turned his back and she just took off her clothes. 
Like, all right, well, are they like sex addicts? Is that what one of the requirements is I don't to work know. for the agency? But I'll tell you what, if you're keeping score at home, Donna has bagged two Abilene's. <laughs> I'm hoping that she uh, has access to a time machine and then she... goes back into Malibu Express and has sex with Cody Abilene. Well, here's my thing. My retroactive continuity I want to talk about real quick with Malibu Express. Okay. What if in Malibu Express, if you think about it, Contessa Luciana, that's like Donna. That's like the origin story of Donna because she's a government agent. She's got the same kind of stature as like a civil Danning. She sleeps with an Abilene. She's sneaky. She completes some mission. And then guess where she goes at the end of the movie when she bails and says, I'll be waiting there. Hawaii. Hawaii. You're right. So I'd like to think that her name's not really Contessa Luciana. That was her code name at that Mm -hmm. point. And then she completed that mission. And like the whole Malibu Express is like the origin story of how we got Donna. That's what I'd like to think. I'll allow it. So that would be three Abilene's for her, making her like a Shane with that that one family in Malibu Express. (laughs) Yes. She is the Shane of the Abilene's. And then, uh, Cullen, it's uh, Friday with one laser line through it. (laughs) A plane lands in Hawaii. Taryn, by herself, tells Jane and Edie she's going to fly the plane alone. During this time, she's flying like, this movie kind of has the most intricate score of them all. But mm-hmm. it fuck, it needs a damn song. We will get the the Picasso Trigger song will play during the closing credits, but we need it somewhere in here early. Yeah, you know? all these other movies usually have a memorable song in it. This is just kind of sound that it's happening behind. Yeah. There's the, no songs. The, it's all yeah. score. It's all score. But these movies up to this point have had something that you're like, oh, that's hokey. Or that's the what was the I'm in love with the girl in the centerfold. I mean, it's not like Malibu Express getting on the... Ma- no, but it's something memorable. And then there's, of course, the masterpiece of a uh, hard ticket to Hawaii. It's not yeah. paradise all the time. This well, and needed- even... It, there were yeah. multiple songs written for hard ticket to Hawaii. Yeah. And this is... I mean, this has so much fucking traveling, you could play it during one of those moments, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. There's... Like you said, we watch a plane land. Like, literally, we spend... 40 seconds watching a plane descend and land to cut to Taryn who says I'm getting in this plane and takes off and fly. And we watch a plane fly. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. You're right. Yeah. Watch this plane land. Uh, where, where is this plane? Which of the four cities that this place takes place in? Where's that plane landing? Apparently near some golf course because Taryn watches uh, some blonde schmuck who's called, guess what, Jimmy John. Now, that's the same dude. Did he, like, lose weight? He looked thinner. Uh, Yeah, no, that is him. That is Jimmy John. This is the guy that had the three-minute monologue about vitamins and hard ticket to Hawaii. And thank God he's back, right? Right. That's what we need more of. Because, yeah, he's, he's playing golf with some old dudes, and he's... And he gets swindled by them, and he's upset. Do you recognize the old guy? Is it Sedaris? That's what I thought. That's what I thought, when, that's what I thought when I saw him. I'm like, I bet that's Sedaris. Okay. It's like, you never seem to recognize <laughs> no. Sedaris in these movies. He's a chameleon. <laughs> yeah, that's what he is. Uh, no, I, I, like I, I was Danny like... Danny or anything. I was watching, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's him, but then I forgot to look to confirm. Doing my research there. But then Taryn has one of her great pickup lines. Hi, Sailor. Want a lift? Aaron, darling, what a surprise. 
cuff game? Uh, not too bad. How much did you drop this time? Well... Speaking of golf, want to put her around? Your card or mine. <laughs> and uh, on a plane, yes, we're back on a plane, Travis tells Donna she needs to go to uh, Molokai and watch Miguel Ortiz, and he offers to uh, get her in the Mile High Club. Well, since you got that straight, how would you like to become an honorary member of the Mile High Club? Travis, we're seven miles up. And we'll do it seven times. <laughs> then we better get started. Then we go back to Vegas. The dancing girls, they do some dancing. Can we take a moment and talk about how gross this club is? Like, it, yeah. it, it answers the question, what if Sizzler opened a strip club? Oh, it my is, God. It, it, the, the, just the grossest slapdash place. It's almost like a, a, a junior high dance happened. And then like, okay, well, let's put the, the strippers in the corner. Oh, God. Oof. So they get harassed by the dudes from earlier that put the homing devices on people. And mm. they're, they're wanting them to do a, a party more provocative and risque and tell them that they'll, uh, they'll be there tomorrow night so they can come back. And in the plane, Travis and Donna have finished up. He says, <laughs> she says, I've always loved your back. And then he sees Donna's watch and remembers something. He pulls out the picture of Salazar's dead body and has a revelation that in his living picture, his watch is on his opposite wrist than his dead picture. Man, Sedaris is all about that. Hey, you better you better pay attention to my movies to what dominant hands are on people that yeah. is so important. Yeah, yeah, the exact same thing happened in Malibu Express. You're yeah, right. Yeah. So then uh, Taryn fucks Jimmy John in a hot tub. <laughs> it's exactly right. It's like a minute of like, all right, well, th there's your story. Now here's some fucking for y'all. You guys, Taryn hasn't gotten naked for a while, so let's get you what she, you paid for. You're right. She hasn't been naked for like 40 minutes. Yeah. Uh, the professor is at the pool, and his lady is like, would you like a Danish? And he starts fondling, and she goes, but I'm Swedish. And he goes, Danish, Swedish, it's all the same. I'll have two Swedish. And then Travis and Donna show up, and it's like a cut. Like, it's like, oh, these two are doing something, and then it cuts, and it's like, did, did we miss something in the middle here? Or Yeah, yeah, the professor and this Swedish woman are next to each other, and then cut, like, and they're nowhere near each like, other. Like, there wasn't, like, a cut to outside and then back to show, like, maybe a passage of time. It's like, wait, what? Did... No. Travis and Donna, so they, they're there, and he shows them a remote control car with explosives on it as well as a boomerang with an explosive on it for donna and taryn the way he, the way he talks about it it's like he invented these things like you yeah. put explosives on the bottom of an rc car i went to a service merchandise bought this car and then i uh, put an explosive on it <laughs> yeah yeah i said service merchandise the movies from 88 i was trying to make be relevant <laughs> And then there's the explosive on the boomerang. And it's not a, like, oh, it's some kind of a small, innocuous yeah. device. It is, like, two pounds of explosive slapped on the side of a boomerang. And, you know, I'm not great with aerodynamics, but I'm going to bet that if you put something like that on a boomerang, the qualities that make a boomerang a boomerang are no longer active. The Swedish woman then offers to take the, the Swedish. She never got a name, right? Like everybody for a movie that names every damn thing. She never got one. She is. Don't break uh, my heart and tell me she has a name. We can call her uh, the, the professor's beard. 
Okay, yeah. <laughs> she offers to take Donna to the airport and says goodbye. Edie is working out in the gym, and Jay comes in and grabs her and then takes her shirt off. They make out, and then she goes to a curtain that's like a wall and just turns and looks at him, and the scene ends. Yeah, no dialogue. Why do we need to know that they're working out and they might get physical with just it's a minute of nothing. We get to see Edie's boobs. And she runs like away from him and then she stands and like covers her boobs up and looks at him like I don't know if she's trying to be playful or she's uh, she's fearing for sexual assault. Like I couldn't I couldn't tell. Well, if you remember in Heart Sick at they Two were Hawaii, an item. They were an item. They were an item, and Edie was kidnapped and, you know, probably probably sexually assaulted or beat up whatever, and then Jade comes in and is immediately cracking jokes and, like, hitting on her and trying, you know, clearly wanting to have sex with her. Like, And I, I just wonder if she has PTSD from that situation. Right. Oh, here we go. The professor then throws a crutch at Travis and says... And he says, you're a master of your art, Professor. And then you know what he says? Killing is an art form. And then Saturday. Saturday with two red lines in it. Two. Two laser things. Donna and Taryn pull up in dirt bikes to scope out the two goons on the beach with some girls. And they're, they're kind of disgusted like two girls would hook up with these guys. And then Jade and, and Edie disguise themselves poorly, mind you, as phone company workers to set up some stuff at the guy he's supposed to take out his building. And, like, they enter the office, and they run in the guy in the crew, and he's totally not buying it. They had <laughs> a better shouldn't. chance of, like, hey, uh, we're scouting to film a pornographic scene. Because <laughs> that's what it looks like. It's like they, they look like, like the strippers at, like, a bachelor or bachelorette party on a TV show. Where, you know, where they, they I'm, here like the... to f- I'm here to fix Ina Kabel. Like, it... <laughs> The shirts are just so open, and they don't have sleeves. And she's totally made up, overdone oh, makeup, yeah. and her hair. And she's got, like, nothing on under it, and her buttoned down. And he's walking in with, and like, this side ponytail underneath and, the hard and, and hat. And his arms are, like, busting out the sleeve. Yeah, these people are either going to fuck in a porno <laughs> or sneak out a boombox and start dancing. No one yeah. believes they're going to fix a phone. No one. <laughs> They don't even believe it. I would just imagine that they go up to the front desk and the security guards are like, oh, so uh, a strippogram I see. What floor are you going to, folks? Uh, nowhere with AT&T. Uh, no, come on. God, like, what, ATT, right? Yeah, no, 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 the phone company? <laughs> Unless that stands for ass, tits, and tits, get out of here right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> I I got a good laugh when I saw them. It, it's it's a, like it's you want to say like Eddie Sedaris. You've seen a, a phone employee, right? Or at least you've seen a person that you know wears a jumpsuit for their job. It's almost like Jade borrowed one of Donna and Taryn's outfits. <laughs> it is. It absolutely. There's probably a, a space for nunchucks. The guy, the, the boss is, like, not buying it, and Edie says she's found the problem. I found the problem. It's another one of those defective chips. Doesn't that static just drive you crazy? There's nothing wrong with the phone. Oh, yes, there is. We don't have the proper equipment with us. We can fix it tomorrow. Tomorrow's Sunday. But we're both going to be on call. You'll be here, won't you? Yeah. 
We live here. And he's talking about like the office building. So um, okay. Yeah. In Vegas, the uh, dudes come by to talk to the dancers again about the show the next day, and they say their boss is coming. And then Juan, you know, the black guy, he comes out from behind the curtain to say they're doing a good job. And they say, sweet dreams, don't let the bed bugs bite. He goes, they say, we bite back. And he goes, I bet you do. They both go back to their room, the girls do, and one showers and the other must need to think because she goes into the hot tub. And there's lots of soapy boobs and butt yep. during this, this scene. So they they, they uh, fulfilled their requirement of being in an Andy Sedaris movie, Pantera. They, they had the pointless shower. Here's my boobs. Here's my butt. Naked. There you go. And then Sunday. Three lines. I, I just want to point out that this, what we just talked about, that was the entirety of Saturday. Yeah, Saturday goes by fast. Like, it's almost like the f- Saturday just left the screen and we're on, like, Sunday. Like, and like nothing, no- nothing relevant happened on Saturday. Nothing. No. They could have just taken a day off. They, they could have just started this story on a Friday instead of a Thursday and taken this day out because nothing fucking happened. You know what would have been great if they would have been Saturday and they showed Travis Abilene on the beach on a lawn chair with a book and he's looking at it and he turns the page and he goes, oh, and they go Sunday. <laughs> that would have been, been as uh, productive. I, I, I mean, mean, nothing happened on Saturday. Nothing. What, what, what should have happened is this that every person just bangs on Saturday. That would have made it a, a day that I would have cared about. Hey, you know, it's, it's a dangerous mission. Some some may not be coming back. It would make sense. It would make sense. That would be fine. That way you get more gratuitous nudity that Annie Sedaris clearly wants to put in. Donna and Taryn gear up on their dirt bikes and head out in Vegas. Uh, The two guys, they show up with their boss for the show in an empty room. The super shitty dance routine begins. This song called, like, Sweet Me Just a Little More Place. It's a really bad song. So I don't know what's worse, the song or their dancing. Uh, They're they're both pretty bad. At at least the dancers have an excuse, like, I was making it up on the spot. The music? No. You, (laughs) you, You composed it. You played it. You recorded it. It should have been better. It's enough to impress the boss, though, because he goes, decent, they'll do. Jade and Edie return to fix the phones, and Jade pulls a badge and starts reading the guy, one of the goons, um, the Miranda rights, but they don't want to hear it. By the way, first badge of the movie. How deep are we into this film? This is the first time that they actually attempt to do some law enforcement. Um, might be in the series, too. I don't know if I've seen a badge pull. And Jade of all people, <laughs> the guy with the ponytail in his porn phone worker outfit, the most nicely dressed he's ever been in any of these movies. <laughs> I think this might be the most the most clothing he's worn in this movie. You know, I mean, it, he's going to correct that pretty soon, but uh, up to this point, I think so. It's funny, Jade between Hard Ticket and this has like had a drastic change of character. He was gross and just oh, eye roller after eye roller every time he opened his mouth in Hard Ticket. Here he's just well, it's Jade. <laughs> yeah, like in Hard Ticket, it was just everything out of his mouth was just a fucking hack joke. I, I think he's probably sad that yeah. he's not with the other Abilene. He's like, I was my friend, we had fun, and now I'm alone in an aquarium. 
<laughs> they don't want to hear the Miranda rights. A brawl begins. Edie gets like knocked over hard during it. But Jade, man, he like gouges this dude's eyes out. It's yes. like all bloody. It's pretty awesome. And our old friend returns, crotch trauma. Crotch trauma because Edie kicks a dude right in the nuts. It's hard. He, like, flies back from it, too. Yeah. And then uh, in Vegas, the girls pull shotguns from the stage during the routine and blast the big boss. And then uh, the old guy of the group gets shot, but not before he gets a round off right into the brunette's head. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. They will fucking totally neuter this in a couple seconds. But at that moment, I was like, damn. I know. That was the most, like edgy thing that's happened in any of these movies. Yeah, I was like, oh, crap, man. They really will kill these. Well, like, uh, plenty of people die in these movies, but for whatever reason, that one just, damn, because it was a headshot of someone yeah. just... and blood popped. It was like, oh, geez. Yeah, like, I don't even think, I don't even know if she was armed either. Yeah. Then the, the young guy, the younger of this guys, get on stage to attack the blonde, and then finally fucking Juan comes around and kills the guy. Like, what was he <laughs> waiting for? But what the way he... he was dressed... He was dressed like a fucking American gladiator. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he just explodes at the side. Like, where where were you hiding? What were you doing? It's like, it's nitro. <laughs> <laughs> he must have been, like, lifting weights or something backstage. Because yeah. part of his job is kind of to help out these these women who are also agency members. Where the fuck was he? What was he doing, Brandon? I don't know. So, but then the brunette, of course, isn't dead. It was just a bullet fucking grazed her. I'm like, well, okay. I, it's I mean, not like we need her around. No, like, why couldn't you be like, oh shit, someone died during this? Um, it, if nothing else, just to thin out the cast. Jade enters the big boss's office, and they get in this like martial arts match, and he goes, "Too bad my boys tired you out. You would have been fun." And then Jade kicks his ass pretty easily for some guy who's well, supposed to be tired. Because he's not slowed down by the weight of a shirt because just somehow his shirt's just off. Well, like yeah, like it, walking it, it, through the doorway, there was some kind of device that just got rid of shirts. It just evaporated shirts as soon as you walk in. I, I, I'm sure that he – that was his idea. I'm sure that was Jade's idea. He's like, look, 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 I want to show off my rocking body. I work at it really hard. People have seen the ponytail. I don't have the ponytail in this scene, so I gotta pop this shirt off. But he he kicks the dude's ass and then tosses him out the window from the top floor. I was at first I was upset because I was expecting Jade to drop kick him through this window, and like oh they're getting closer. The window's open. Come on, get up there. And then it didn't happen. Like ah shit. But then he put him on a desk, like, okay, you can still do it. You can still do it. And it ha he did. He absolutely put him on a desk and just threw him through the window. And that was, it was oh. slow-mo, too. Glass breaking in slow-mos. And he had, like, a, like, a big squish. On the, you don't see anything, but, you know, there's just this dummy flying through the air and then just, like, like literally squish. Like, someone stepped on a grapefruit. The gouged eyes guy isn't done. He unloads Uzi fire on a wall and crashes through it. And then Edie blasts him away. Didn't I tell you, Jade? I got a black belt and shotgun. And then she kisses Jade's bloody face. When she says that, I just think, what part of that did was clever? I don't... She's uh, She couldn't wait to say that line, I'm sure. She's like, oh, thank you, Andy. <laughs> You're really giving Edie a nice little spark of humor, finally. I can't wait to say this line. 
she was probably just begging him for something. He's like, uh, how about uh, you got a black belt and and, uh, and shotgun? Like, that's pretty good, Andy. That's pretty good. The two goons in Hawaii are resting on their bikes, and they get a, a, a text, I guess, that says, abort Monday mission. And they notice Don and Tara coming at them. And he goes, it's those broads from the boat. And they quickly leave as Don and Terry give chase. At one point, they stop for some gunfire, and the, the the brunette dude gets shot. And then the other guy gets off his bike and hides behind tall grass. Uh, Don and Tara stop and easily spot him. Yeah. And, yeah. And they pull out the boomerang, and Terran tosses it, and it like hits the sign he's <laughs> hiding behind, and then blows up. Seems to me the same thing could have been done with a grenade. He's just like, huh? <laughs> that's exactly what happened. I mean, I, I guess that's why you attach a bomb to a boomerang, because the boomerang flies at you, and it just lazily hits a sign and falls down. Yeah, no, yeah, you... it lazily, that's perfect. It should have, like, hit it, and then the guy goes, nice boomer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because if it's a grenade, he'd, like, he'd run, he'd freak out, but if it's a, a boomerang, you look at it like, what the hell? Who throws a boom? A kablamo! So I, I guess that good job, Professor. Uh, Taryn takes off as Donna switches to swim gear and sets up her harpoon gun. And then Miguel Ortiz and the bodyguards wander the beach. They stop when they hear the news report of his associates killed in Vegas. And he gets mad and they return to his home. Miguel gets the, the page about aborting the mission to which he gets pissed and says, I'm running the show. I'm like, yeah, but who's alive to stop this mission? Yeah. And who would take... Like, I. Whatever, maybe we'll find out in another one. But he tells the two bodyguards to arm themselves. Taryn's outside and is spotted. And the guy shoots a bunch and then runs in the house. And she gets out the remote control car. Is she like Gadget Girl or something? Is that what they're trying to give us with Taryn? Because the guy, remember the I, professor's like, this is for Taryn. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, she's not very good at hand-to-hand combat. And she doesn't have a black belt and shotgun. So they have to give her some kind of gimmick, I guess. And she drives it up. Uh, she drives the the rocketeer up a surfboard into the house, and boom! Again, the same thing could have been done with the grenade. She grabs her machine gun and then sees the other bodyguard guy come out, and she guns him down. And then the one that originally shot at her pops out. Like she didn't kill anybody with this fucking bomb. Like it just blew up the no. house. They come out of the house like Wiley e. Coyote. They just get a bunch of soot all over them, and their hair's a little messed up. He shoots her with a shotgun, but as he goes to check on her body, she flips around and fires at him twice with a pistol. Donna emerges from the water as Ortiz escapes on a dirt bike through the wall of his house. <laughs> like in hard, in hard Ticket to Hawaii, they drive the dirt bike into the house. In this one, they drive it out. Sedaris so like, I'm breaking all the rules on this one. He gets uh, to the beach, and he stops and unloads on Donna, but then she shoots a spear at his bike that hits the seat, sticks to it, and then, boom, it blows up. <laughs> and she smiles and fist pumps. I loved it. I loved He's it, like, Donna. Yeah. Love you. Love you, girl. <laughs> Murdered him. Yes. Uh, we cut to LG in a parking garage, getting into, like, a GMC Jimmy all of a sudden. Like, oh, like all right. I know. Like, when that happened, like, wait. Why is there still a movie happening? Aren't we done? Everyone's yeah. dead. 
<laughs> Donna and Taryn regroup. Uh, she says there's an emergency and they need to contact LG. Taryn reveals that she was wearing a vest but still caught a little lead. Travis is now uh, dirt biking around with the, the crutch on his bike and the cast on. He meets up with Pantera and she wonders what happened to his leg and she tells him where to find the entrance. Uh, for some reason, she thinks it's he's fine to do this mission <laughs> still. <laughs> I see. Shows up randomly, the cast on and a crutch. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to still do this. But as he leaves, she has an evil grin. LG informs Donna that he's back in Texas. He, he wasn't supposed to be killed. They killed the wrong man on purpose. Uh, there's a lot more to it than uh, they than we thought. So he says, and he like drives and like awkwardly stops in the scene cut. So I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck happened here? Donna then takes off on a jet ski immediately. Like cuts to that. It's like, oh, Donna's on a jet ski. Travis hobbles on the porch of a house and enters, and he's in a dark room with both Picasso triggers, and uh, one of them, uh? the human one, is in his finest Miami Vice attire. He's like, I got an audition after this. <laughs> when I saw but, him there, I just thought, okay, I don't, I, I don't, don't care. Yeah, it's like I, I, I knew it was coming to this. Um, finally, we're here. Well, uh, also, we barely saw him. Like this whole time, like we like, really so... don't know what this guy is about, right? Like, yeah, I thought like, he was like a good guy that maybe had ties to some bad guys at the but, beginning, or maybe he was a bad guy. Or but now it's he was the bad guy the whole time. But I, I don't care. I don't, <laughs> I don't care. The, the plot of this movie should have been Ortiz getting revenge on the lethal agents cool there's your movie instead it's that plus whatever the fuck picasso trigger is doing well travis takes the bottom off his crutch and there's a laser pointed at salazar and salazar apologizes for lg's death but lg didn't die but it was all the wrong guy he uh, did it to get all the agents together to do his work for him so he wanted like all these mob bosses and ortiz and all these people to get killed but by by acting like he got killed, Ortiz tried to kill other agents to get the agents to kill him, plus all these side dish mob bosses, and now they're all dead, so the Picasso Trigger has won? I think Picasso Trigger is either lazy or cheap, because he <laughs> won't just do the work himself, and he won't hire anyone to do it. Instead, he tricks a government agency into doing his own work. I mean, just... Or, come on, Picasso. Or, get off the couch. Or uh, the movie was done, and Andy Stewart's like, you know what would be cool? <laughs> that guy came back. We get the Salazar guy on the phone, see if he wants to come do a couple more days. I'll send him to Hawaii. <laughs> or Shreveport. And Travis begins loading the crutch, and he fires, but this pane of bulletproof glass comes down and blocks it. And yeah, it ric- ricochets I, I... and hurts Travis. Like, what? Like, how did he know that was... I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was obvious he was going to shoot you with the crutch, but how did you know to install the pane of glass <laughs> to yeah. pull down? And d- did Travis not see this enormous pane of glass hanging from the ceiling? Pantera comes in and he fires at her, but he apologizes and they, they kiss and she pulls a knife behind his back to stab him. But oh, a harpoon spear like protrudes through her chest. Donna has put her down. She's like, she was one of them. He goes, yeah, I knew that. Uh, let's go get that son of a bitch Salazar, huh? And they take off. Travis carrying the crutch. Donna the cast. 
I for some reason, along with his gun and her harpoon gun, and on the beach, Salazar busts out of a grass hut on a hovercraft. It is an unusually placed shed. Yes. It really is like someone just took like a grass hut and put it just right in the middle of the beach. Just completely impractical. Um, Travis takes the jet ski after him, and they, they because stop. There was just, because thankfully, this grass hut was next to a jet ski. It was Donna's jet ski. I know, but it was like, just thankfully that those two things were just so close together. Yeah. The stop is Salazar fires on Travis. By the way, Salazar, he's wearing a helmet. Yeah, so we time. know it's not the same guy. Yeah, yeah. Clearly not Never him. comes yeah. off. The, the hovercraft takes the beach and scares off Donna and goes back to water as Donna loads her spear and fires it at the hovercraft, and it explodes! <laughs> Which I, it, I, I love that Donna's weapon of choice in this movie is a spear, as her last name in real life is Spear. Yes. That is delightful. I love it. It was also delightful when the hovercraft blew up. It wasn't just that, oh, the hovercraft blew up. You see the body parts flying through oh, yeah. the air and yeah, falling great. back into the fire. Travis meets Donna on the beach. Uh, they make out, <laughs> of course. <laughs> they they do. They deduce... A man and a woman are in a scene together. Yeah, it's Donna, dude. They deduce that the man who was killed in Paris was just some poor lookalike actor trying to make a buck. We then see that butler, priest, whatever he was guy. You remember at the beginning in the sidecar yeah. that killed the Picasso trigger, but killed the poor actor guy? He's loading uh, the painting into a station wagon, and inside a foot nudges Pantera's dead body, and he says, Women, easy come, easy go. They're expendable, and so are you. And it's Salazar! And he, he kills that butler guy and goes out to the porch with his gun. And Donna and Travis are setting up something with the crutch, which is it's a rocket that aims directly at Salazar's chest as he's walking into the car and blows up. Now, they are on a, just a different part of... They are down the beach from this place. And I think the way they target... Salazar's through the the pacemaker that's in his chest. Yes, we'll find that out. Yeah. Right. Uh, apparently, GPS existed and was in pacemakers or or something because well, he has when, like when he was like apparently when he was sitting there as Salazar was explaining his diabolical plan uh, and making sure the the pain of bulletproof glass was set and ready to go upon trigger pulling. He like, like th- th- there was a laser. Like the... There was a laser coming out of the the, the crutch. That was just sitting there on Salazar. So I think he was like getting a, a, a read or a lock that would be used later. <sighs> it's all bullshit, but I'm trying to make it make movie sense. Well, it's, well I'm trying to, to figure out that because I understand like he gets some kind of reading uh, when he points the crutch at Salazar's chest. Cool. Got it. Great. That was inside the house, correct? Yes. When that happened originally? Yep, yep, okay, yep, yep. so then... But it wasn't uh, the real Salazar at that time, right? No, 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 no. That was the real Salazar. Okay. I think. Yeah, the fake. The only fake Salazar was the one in Paris. All right. Every Salazar we've seen after that is real. What, what, but the guy in the hovercraft. Oh, oh, you're right. I mean, that, so, dude, that dude blew up. But maybe that guy... Well, maybe it was the real Salazar, and then when he left... 
he had a guy that was specifically dressed up just like him that was a, a hover had a hovercraft license and could drive and I was like hey dude uh, these people are gonna like try to kill you or capture you you here take this Uzi uh, drive around in circles and, and shoot them look out for the girl she's got a spear gun it'll, it'll blow you up he's clearly dead because like I said body parts are flying through the air someone died on that boat back at somewhere everybody's celebrating where Travis says he knew that Salazar was still alive because he set the crutch to trace the pacemaker on Picasso and and Tara was a double crossing bitch and Taryn says she's gonna keep the painting of the Picasso trigger because it's only a copy or is it and then they all have a cheers and the credits play with little clips of the movie in between and now we get our fucking Picasso trigger song too late where, where all the late. credits are uh, printed on like construction paper yeah I yeah, think yeah they put construction paper in a typewriter, typed everything up, and then just aimed the camera at it. Yes. But that's it. That's the, uh, the, yeah. the trigger of Picasso. It ends a very similar way to Malibu every Express. other movie. Yeah, yeah. They all end up with everyone ganged up together, having drinks, yeah. talk, talking about what, uh, quickly what the end of the movie meant, and, 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 a, and a stolen item or something being joked about. <laughs> yeah at the end of the first one they all kept a bunch of diamonds so they should all be pretty comfortably well off however they're still doing all this stuff for the agency and their lives don't i mean jade is working in an aquarium mm-hmm. he doesn't need he shouldn't need this job Uh-oh. yeah but, but yeah but both times it's like well i guess we keep the illegal item and profit off of it that is not ethical you, you agents of law enforcement, please don't do that. It's always Taryn, and but Taryn technically isn't part of Lethal. She's just under witness protection. Well, then maybe she shouldn't be fucking going on these missions. Right. This isn't she, cop and a half. She's the gadget expert. That's what she is. The person that doesn't know how to use nunchucks. Eh, mm. What has many faces? I need this time to fulfill my dreams. With no inhibitions, no obstacles. And I want you to share this freedom I have. You sound like a man who's nearing his end. No. Nearing a new beginning. You'll be around forever. One can only hope. Now comes a portion of the episode where we rate the movie we just watched. As we are cult cinema cavalcade, we keep things nice and culty. Our ratings are as follows. Stay with your family, which means, like LG, you want nothing to do with any of this action. You'll just hang out in D.C. and not go anywhere. Converted, which means, eh, you'll, you'll go to Vegas. You'll take the meeting. You'll see what this is all about. Or drinking the Kool-Aid. You're all around the globe. You're all about the Picasso trigger. You're down with some Pantera, even though she could kill you. So, Cullen, how do you rate Picasso trigger? The previous Sedaris movies we've had in the show, they felt uh, there was there was some heart in there. You know, it was gratuitous nudity and explosions, but that's what uh, you get. That's the, that's the Sedaris mark of quality. And this one, you know, there is nudity and explosions, but I don't know. It just feels just off. It doesn't feel as genuine as the others did. It's not as much fun. You know, I, I don't want them making like hackneyed jokes, but I want to feel like everyone's having a, having a good time and genuinely enjoys working together and I want to see ridiculous gadgets and it did have those elements but it just wasn't enough it just 
felt like it was off. And I think honestly, it's because of there's there's too many fucking characters, and it's all that traveling. Uh, you know, I know I mentioned it earlier in the episode, but it really does just kill any momentum in this movie. Yeah, it's just not as much fun as as it should be. So that, that's why I never thought I didn't think I would say say this, but I am staying with my family on this Andy Sedaris movie. You can absolutely skip this one. Brandon, how do you rate Picasso Trigger? Well, it's funny. Like, yeah, you mentioned there there is something slightly off with I think the first two thirds of this movie. Like, and and I think one of the biggest problems, you, yeah, you mentioned too many characters, and our strength honestly is Donna and Taryn, and they don't show up for a long time. And I, as much as Donna is a major factor in this, once she shows up, there's not enough. They need to be the leads. Like, I, I I'm not interested in in Travis or Pantera much at all and they want us to focus on them travis is the most bland vanilla abilene we we could get considering it's a bland vanilla type character after the first one it's it it's got things plots of course crazy nonsensical but that's part of the fun i i do think the final act saves it because all of a sudden you're like oh now we're back now this is what i mean it gets goofy it's got the explosions it's silly it's it's back in that territory but it's a bit too late a lot of this feels like, at best, this is running in place on pace with Hard Ticket to Hawaii. It's keeping some of the things there, but that's a, a, the best is. I wonder how this one would feel if you hadn't seen any of them before. Like, if this was your first one, would you get that Hard Ticket feel? Since, you know, we've seen Hard Ticket, and we now we've seen Malibu Express, and now this, which is just kind of more of the same, but not quite there, but would you know that? If you watch this blindly, that's what I'm, I'm wondering. I think it had enough from, I'm going to go converted because it was just enough. I don't know if these are going to get worse. My, my rating after seeing all of them and like watch Picasso triggers, like one of the worst like could change. But right now I'm going to say converted because it, it delivered just enough of what I, I want out of these movies. Oh, I, I think the next one gets better. Um, but I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll stay converted because it did deliver just enough of the goods for me to be okay with it. So I will be converted on Picasso trigger. I know it's unrealistic for any of these movies to surpass hard ticket to Hawaii. <laughs> what a stupid fucking. Well, and that movie has I, hard ticket just... has a lot of characters too, but it manages them better. It knows which ones we want to see. Just... It knows which ones to have interact. When I said that it, it's like I was talking about the Godfather part two. It's pretty <laughs> hard to make a movie better than that. Hard ticket to Hawaii. <laughs> I think, you know what? You know why this one maybe... This one tries to give focus to the bad guys. It yeah. tries to give them character too, and it starts eating into time. And we Do we need the Vegas stuff at all? No. None of those people, none of that plot line. Why, do, why to... don't you have... Why don't you have like just Donna and Taryn going ahead and taking care of all these people? You know, it doesn't all happen to happen on one day, but have them doing these... Have, yeah. You know, you can make a travelogue movie with them, uh, that's that's better watching these two like okay we're gonna go our plan we go to Vegas we take out these guys we go to Texas we take out these guys and then we head back to Hawaii for the finale yeah and do that that's much more interesting than it, um generic blonde like you know stunt double for Donna and Taryn in Vegas and yeah. then you know and, and Jade's in here like I don't mind Jade being back but his story's pointless the only thing I want to know is what's up with this. You know, is Pantera a bad person? Where's the Picasso trigger? Ortiz and Donna and Taryn. That's that's all I yeah. need, and they give me way too much around it. 
But the best thing about Jade being in this movie is that we get to see Edie naked again. Like, he provides that. Although the first time we saw Edie naked, it was pointless. It was just like, well, I'm changing my clothes. So they could have done that again. So we don't even need Jade. They could get someone else to do his And it's funny because they have Jade toned down in this movie, too. Like, I think if you look at Jade, that's, that's a good description of how a lot of this feels. Well, it looks like Jade, but yeah. it's kind of just dead in comparison. Yeah. You know, it's like... And, and that's another thing. It doesn't feel like that people are having as much fun making this movie. It's just kind of going through it. Yeah. It's kind of mechanical. It's th- This movie... Like I said, it, running in place at best is, is what it is. You should put this in the computer and you'll find out that uh, it's going to be a, a dead lay. Dead fuck. Dead fuck. Dead fuck. Damn it. I'll never get it right. Is everything to your liking, Mr. Ortiz? It couldn't be better, Edie. Mr. Ortiz enjoyed his meal immensely. On the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll discuss Donna and Taryn's next adventure in Andy Sedaris' 1989 film, Savage Beach. That's like, uh, like Fred Savage's vacation movie, right? Right, yes. Right? Okay, good. Hopefully Ben Savage is in it, too. Uh, Cullen and I appreciate your downloads, uh, likes, shares, and feedback as always. And Cullen, thank you for once again indulging in some boobs, babes, and bullets with me. As I, I really fell on the old boomerang for this one. <laughs> we look forward to next time, but first, stay tuned for the trailer to Savage Beach, the trailer that actually trails. This is Savage Beach in Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Undercover federal agents Donna Hamilton and Taryn Kendall save the country from drug smugglers. In Picasso Trigger, they save the world from the brutal hand of an international assassin. In Savage Beach, they are the targets for murder. This time, they'd better save themselves. Good idea. search for a ton of gold. Where there's gold, there's greed, and murder rules the land. A paradise haunted by a mysterious presence. Take cover. This is no ordinary day in the sun. Terror reigns on the shores of Savage Beach. listening to cult cinema cavalcade part of the creative zombie studios network for press opportunities advertising opportunities and more information on cult cinema cavalcade contact mail at cult produced by brad shoemaker edited by brandon peters narration by rebecca peters theme song pink baby by happy elf appears courtesy of the free music network
The film and music featured in this episode are part of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Join us again in two weeks for a new episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. Women. Easy come, easy go. Well, they're expendable. So are you. How rude!